Welcome to Spirits of Whiskey. We explore the wide world of whiskey through the many colorful personalities who make it, promote it, write about it, and more. With each podcast, Carrie Moynihan, a certified bourbon steward and bartender, and yours truly, Philip Dobar, director of the Cocktail Collection, interview whiskey's most important names. From high-profile makers, blenders, and ambassadors, to out-of-the-way innovators and remote pioneers. Join us as we discover the people and elements that give the water of life its spirit. It is Friday, July 31st, 2020, and this is episode number 11. Today, we speak and sip with Heaven Hill's National Spirit Specialist and Portfolio Mixologist, Lynn House. But first, stay tuned for this week's Whiskey Chronicles. The United States' nearly universal prohibition on cocktails to go has temporarily been lifted in many states as a means of helping bars and restaurants stay afloat during the COVID-19 pandemic. Legislators in Iowa, however, have made it the first state to repeal the restrictions permanently, thus delivering a new and permanent source of revenue to the Hawkeye State's hospitality industry. And this makes Governor Kim Reynolds the first governor to sign such a progressive bill into law. Dale Sindrowski, Vice President for State Government Relations at the Distilled Spirits Council of the United States, or DISCUS, said in a statement, Making cocktails to go permanent provides a much-needed source of stability and revenue for local bars, restaurants, and distilleries as they begin to recover. Iowa is leading the way and serving as a model for other states looking for innovative ways to boost struggling hospitality businesses. Many around the country hope that other states will soon follow. Oklahoma recently passed a law that permanently lifts restrictions on home delivery for wine, beer, and spirits. And the Ohio House of Representatives voted to keep the state's cocktails-to-go program running, but it is waiting on the Senate to approve the bill before it is sent to the governor's office. Reportedly, Washington, D.C., Florida, New York, and Texas have introduced bills that will permanently maintain their jurisdictions-to-go programs. Here in California, we're still waiting to hear whether the loosening of restrictions on to-go and home delivery of cocktails will become permanent. But Jacob Applesmith, the now former director of the state's Department of Alcoholic Beverage Control, delivered some encouraging words before his retirement earlier this month. Quote, We know businesses have suffered as they continue fighting to slow the spread of COVID-19. We have heard directly from these businesses that the notices of regulatory relief can give them a boost and help bring more people back to work. Additionally, Alcoholic Beverage Control has announced that some ABC licensees paying annual renewal fees have been granted a 30-day grace period. Don't touch that device. Up next is our talk and tasting with Lynn House. Team Whiskey is the original brand for outdoor sports and whiskey enthusiasts who hosts events and sells apparel to help raise money for cancer support groups. Team Whiskey hats are unique and one-of-a-kind, custom-built, and features outdoor and whiskey-related artwork on the underbill. T-shirts are made from a quality and comfortable 60-40 cotton blend that are pre-shrunk. A portion of every purchase and event ticket sold is donated to cancer support groups. To learn more about Team Whiskey, their products, programs, upcoming fundraising events, and how you can help support a cancer support group, visit www.team-whiskey.com. That's www.team-whiskey.com. Today on Spirits of Whiskey, we are delighted to welcome Lynn House. Hello, Lynn. 
Hello, Philip and Carrie. How are you? We are great. Very well. Thank you. Lynn, you are the National Spirits Specialist and Portfolio Mixologist, a considerably longer title than the one you held you held for several years at Heaven Hill Brands, also presumably previously known as Heaven Hill Distilleries. So it's a, a little bit of a split. Heaven Hill Brands is the parent company. Okay. Um, we operate our whiskeys out of the moniker Heaven Hill Distilleries, just really hitting home for the fact that we do make all of our whiskeys mm-hmm. um, in-house. So when you look at our whiskeys, it's going to say Heaven Hill Distilleries, but the parent company is Heaven Hill Brands. It had previously been just Heaven Hill and Brands was added, I want to say about four years ago, mm-hmm. just really to kind of express the fact that we have an incredibly diverse portfolio. The last 20 years at Heaven Hill have just been explosive. Yeah. You've gone from producing a few whiskeys to producing a lot of whiskeys, owning a lot of brands, both whiskey and not whiskey, and importing yet other brands. That is correct. Even I've been with Heaven Hill for seven years, and just the growth that we've had in the seven years I've been with the company has been tremendous. Speaking of seven years... (laughs) <laughs> let's let's move on to the first question. The first real question. I mean, these are all good questions. So, um, Lynn, tell us about your whiskey journey. When you were a child, did you ever think you would be doing what you're doing today? How did you get from, you know, a student somewhere at a school to graduating and then being where you are today? And please start with where you grew up. Absolutely. So I was born in Nashville, Tennessee, but I grew up in Columbus, Ohio. Um, But I mentioned Tennessee. The majority of my family comes from Tennessee. My mom's family is from Bowling Green, Kentucky. Mm. So even though I grew up in Ohio, I grew up very much a Southerner. And uh, Southerners love their whiskey. Mm -hmm. Um, My whiskey journey probably begins at about the age of three months (laughs) when when I started cutting teeth. (laughs) Mm-hmm. <laughs> you you had a legion of others yes because that's what you did you you know mom was like you put a little whiskey on the gums uh you if we had a cold we definitely had hot toddies um my my grandfather drank a scotch and milk every night so if i was visiting oh. you always got a sip that's a very kind of southern drink the milk i guess coats your stomach that reminds me of laverne and shirley with the pepsi and milk <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. So I grew up around whiskey, you know, family drink whiskey. My mom had bourbon and and Diet Coke every single night. She was watching. She was watching her figure. She was watching her figure. Well, it was actually it was Tab. And Ah, I love Tab. (laughs) And Tab was hot back in the day. Right. Yeah. So she drank bourbon and Tab. And so there was always like whiskey in the house and whiskey at celebrations and as kids, we were allowed to have little sips. It was never taboo. Like I said, it was a very kind of Southern thing. And so I always grew up not being shy of it. Like it wasn't a flavor profile that really scared me. I started working in bars in college. I actually put myself through college working in a restaurant, which led to more exposure and, and cocktails. It was the 80s, so it was very, very sweet. My degree is actually in theater. And so as a professional actor... I continued to work in bars and restaurants as a way to make means in between uh, gigs. And the exposure just continued to grow. And I discovered more spirits and started learning about spirits. 
I started educating myself. I went to the Academy of Spirits and Fine Service, went to the Academy of Culinary and Mixology, both of which were here in Chicago. I also went through, you know, attended Bar Smarts. And mm-hmm. I just got bit by this bug and fell in love with it and continued to study. And I still continue to study even in the position I am now. So it's it's been a, a 50 plus year whiskey journey for myself. Wow. wow. Question. I think you just gave us your age. Uh, question. <laughs> is your degree from Ohio State? Uh, my Ironically enough, my degree is not from Ohio State. My degree mm-hmm. is from Miami of Ohio. Oh, beautiful, beautiful town. Yes, Oxford's yeah. amazing. I lived in Columbus and taught at Ohio State from 02 to 10. Um, ah. So we could talk about that, or I could tell you that I grew up in New Orleans and attended LSU. So we could okay. talk about we could talk about the Volunteers versus the Tigers. We could, you know. <laughs> uh, I'm a diehard Buckeye, so I do bleed scarlet and gray. I okay. tell people that all the time. <laughs> Right. Um, I'm you a know, purple my bro- and gold man myself. Okay. I am too, but that's only because I went to San Francisco State and we didn't have football by the time I went there. You know what? As long as either one of you are, are maize and blue, I'm okay. So. <laughs> <laughs> you were an actor and you were a professional actor. Yes. Um, you are, of course, aware of this phenomenon that a great many brand ambassadors, particularly a lot of uh, a great many great brand ambassadors, are former actors, or you, you might say they're still actors because of that, that transition from the stage to, well, the stage behind the stick is a, a, a lot of, a lot of ambassadors we talked to said, yeah, I'm still on stage. I'm just, it just looks different. I, I agree when completely, I tell people all the time, I'm still performing. I think part of that transition is just because, you know, we are very comfortable with our theatrical training to be in front of people. Um, we know how to communicate with people, um, a presence, you know, to know what to do, what to do physically as well as vocally, you know, and deliver material in a way and to just be able to think on your feet. You know, I had mm-hmm. lots of mishaps as an actor on stage, props break, glass all over. Once I was on a stage, once where fire was happening. Oh my. We're still performing. I fell off the stage once and had to get back up on and keep performing. So. Mm-hmm. Oh, my gosh. Mm-hmm. Yeah, indeed. Indeed. Now, you are African-American. Uh, Correct. There are not a lot of African-Americans in. There are not a lot of high-profile black craft bartenders. How has your ethnicity uh, factored into your career and your career development? Or has it? It definitely has. Uh, Before I was in brand work, uh, you know, I was behind the stick, um, first working, and then I ran two very high-profile beverage programs prior to coming to Heaven Hill. And, you know, I won't lie, it was very undaunting, you know, just as a craft bartender to go to events, even go to something like back in the day, you know, Tales of the Cocktail, you know, Mm -hmm. 10 years ago, and not see a lot of people who looked like me you know, from an ethnicity sense. And, you know, so I always felt like, I think it's in general, a lot of people, no matter what um, career they're in, I felt like I had to work harder, had to know more, had to be on point, kind of to just justify myself being in the room. Um, I definitely got questioned a lot, you know, when I told people, you know, for instance, that I worked at the drawing room or I ran this beverage program, I would get a lot of side eyes like really you know Mm -hmm. and I'm like (laughs) I'm like I assure you that's what I do 
And mm -hmm. I even remember when I was uh, running the beverage program at Graham Elliott, you know, I mentioned my family's from the South. And so a big part of the tradition of South is growing your own food and gardening. Mm -hmm. And so I brought in a lot of those flavors into my cocktails. And I think they were flavors that people weren't used to seeing in cocktails. I was using ingredients like rhubarb and apple butter that I made from home and, you know, other ingredients that uh, clove syrups and stuff that was influenced by Gullah culture. Mm. And mm -hmm. I got questioned a lot about, you know, these aren't flavors you use in cocktails. It's kind of funny now to go 10 years later and you, <laughs> you see that all over the place, right? Of course, like of course, everyone's right. like, everyone's like, oh, we're using this great Peruvian or these great Caribbean spices, or we brought this in or we discovered this bitters. Uh, but when I really got started, as I was kind of, a, I say, a lone black salmon swimming in the stream, <laughs> <laughs> you know, but it was like I had my own unique sense of, of flavor that I was bringing. And so I just had to kind of plant my roots and stick to my guns and, you know, abate the criticism that I was getting. And that also in turn helped me get noticed because I wasn't doing the exact same cocktail program that everyone else was doing. Mm -hmm. um, and that's really how I built my career behind the stick, just like being true to myself and being true to my voice. And then when I went to brand work, which is seven years ago, I was very fortunate to go work for Heaven Hill. They're a family-owned company, and there's just something different that when you work for family as opposed to working for a big corporation. And I, one of the things that drew me to them was the fact that my voice was so respected. Nice. Um, that they, you know, it's a it's a very much a macro managed company. They kind of like hire you, and then you know you go figure it out. <laughs> Ah, okay. All right. And and you will find out if you're not on the wrong path. But but they're like, no, we hired you because of of your unique voice and what you brought and your presence. And so I've been very very blessed with Heaven Hill for the last seven years that they have just kind of let me spread my wings and put my own influence on flavors. I've gotten to work on a couple of spirits within the portfolio, help oh, develop wow. them, nice. which is fantastic. Yeah. So, uh, what, are, myself, what are those? Uh, well, myself and my cohort, Bernie Lovers, uh -huh. um, who I know you know, together we are the force behind Sacred Bond, oh, which is I the only love, bottled and bond brandy. Love Sacred Bond. So that is a collaboration between the two of us. That was our first project. Bernie coming up, of course, for his love of bottled and bond and me coming from my love of cocktails. Nice. I got to be very instrumental and work alongside our team with the reboot of the new Dubonnet, which we relaunched mm -hmm. uh, just shy of two years ago. Mm -hmm. So that was actually a project that I took to the company, wanting to take it back to its roots. And so really got to be uh, a part of that. I've done a little consulting um, on some of the deep eddy flavors, mm, just okay. making sure they're in line. And, you know, as other innovation projects come along the company, whether we're doing an extension of one of the rums or something, mm -hmm. you know, I, I do get to offer my advice on that. So uh, the more you talk, the more the more questions I and I'm sure we have. Dubonnet, just a note on Dubonnet. Uh, Dubonnet is a, a wonderful aperitif, a, a, a great sipper and a great mixer. Yes, very much. And it's a historic aperitif. It's been around mm -hmm. since 1846. Funny, my degree is in theater. 
the the other degree I thought I might have was history. So my parents were like, you just don't want to make money, right? You don't want to be an actor or a history teacher. And I was like, I, I guess so. Um, we, we had guests on, and, and, and she said that her mother said, you're, she started her own distillery, and her mother said, you're just looking for the biggest job that will make you no money. I think our parents were related. Yeah. I really had like the same talk. I was like, I'll be a history teacher in college. And my dad's like, so you're going to live with us forever. You know? so. <laughs> there are many people responsible for the craft cocktail revolution of the last 25, 30 years. Yes. But looming large among them is Gaz Regan. And Gaz championed you, did he not? Yes. Can yes. you tell us a little bit about that relationship? That relationship was so special and it was just so unique and it was incredibly organic the way it came about it really started Gaz reached out to me and he always liked reading about you know who was doing what throughout the country and bartenders and you know at one point in my career I was doing a lot of competitions and doing very well and as I was mentioning I was getting a lot of press for the cocktails that I was doing and so Gaz as he told me, he's like, I keep seeing, you know, Lynn House, Lynn House, Lynn House. He's like, I've got to know who Lynn House is. And so to my surprise, this is many years ago, I get an email from Gaz Regan, almost passed out, right? <laughs> and I was like, Gaz Regan is sending me an email. And he was just like, I see your name all over the place. I'd really like to get to know you. And I was like, I mean, of course, you know, I'm like, you're an idol. And I have this book and this book. Um, at that point in time, he had was in the process of writing the bartender's gin compendium, which I do have a cocktail in. Oh, nice. So he's like, I would love for you to, you know, submit a cocktail for this book. So I did. And he accepted it. And we started this just online relationship that went on for about two years. And then two years later is when he created the the Gazer, right, for his top 20 most fabulous bartenders in the world. And he's like, so you're fabulous. <laughs> yes, I'm fabulous, according to Gaz. And he's like, I'm going to give you a gazer. And we still had never met yet. We had just had texting back and forth and pen pals. Yeah. And so we actually he was in Chicago like a month before that. It happened at the um, Manhattan Cocktail Classic, which is no longer. But we had met in Chicago for the first time and we sat down and we talked for like an hour and it was fabulous. And. I mean, from then on, you know, I had stayed at his house. We wrote each other continuously. I was in several other books of his. Both of us are Virgos, and so we relished that. He was a former <laughs> actor as well. Mm -hmm. uh, so there was just so much cross crossover and just an amazing champion of so many people, but, but definitely a, a guardian angel for me in the liquor industry. Wow. Returning for a moment to the black salmon swimming upstream metaphor, would you say that uh, your work has spawned a generation of black bartenders? I would definitely say that I have influenced a lot. I have a lot of black bartenders who come to me. They call me the OG now. I'm not quite Aww. sure how I, how I feel about that. <laughs> that, means, that means old gal. No, it means original. <laughs> I actually think it's a hybrid of both. <laughs> there we go. <laughs> but they're like, we have to have you come. You're the OG. And I'm like, ha, ha, you know. <laughs> but I, there is a whole generation of bartenders that I know that kind of paving away. Um, this year, I got a legacy award from the hospitality Institute here in Chicago for really kind of breaking a barrier 
you know, with spirits and cocktails and bartending in Chicago. And, and it was wonderful because I had someone who was a, a mentee, you know, give me the award. And I remember the day she met me, but she said, literally, she was, she Googled Chicago black bartenders. And she's like, my name was the only name who came up. Wow. So she came, so she came to my bar. I was at Blackbird at the time and sat at my bar. And I remember I was like, you were kind of a stalker at first, (laughs) you know, but she's like, she just knew that she wanted, now she works for uncle nearest and is doing a fantastic job and is amazing friend of mine. And I've had several other bartenders and people throughout the country just said like your visibility and, you know, going out and doing awards and doing the shows and getting the accolades that you did, let us know that there was a great career. So I I definitely do take a lot of pride in the fact that I could see my influence, you know, just by going out there and doing it and, and showcasing your voice and planting your feet down and swimming up that stream as hard as has now spawned more fish in the pond. Let's look at these lovely drinks you sent us. And before we get started on tasting, um, I noticed two of the three of them are bottled and bond. So I wanted to just ask if you knew how many bottled and bond and expressions of all types that you have on the market this year. Oh, that's a really hard. (laughs) (laughs) I would say actively we're probably producing somewhere around... 16, 17 bottled and bonds. That's a lot of bottled and bonds. Um, You probably, through some of your whiskey sources and such, looking for older expressions or discontinued expressions, could find up to 25 plus. Wow. Cool. All right. So the first one that we have, and I don't know if you're going to partake with us, Lynn, but the first one I have. I have my bottles right here. Oh, wow. Where, Where would you like to start? We have... Let us actually start with the old Fitzgerald. Okay. Okay. With the wheated. Yes, because since it's wheated, it's going to be a little lighter. And then when we get to the other two, they are actually more related. So it's interesting to taste those side by side. Uh Yeah. And the wheated, the old Fitzgerald is very much, I, I took the liberty of smelling the three ahead of time. And the, the old Fitzgerald is very much softer on the nose. Absolutely. So, you know, to be a weeded bourbon, obviously it's a bourbon, so it has to lead with 51% corn um, as a minimum. This is actually 70% corn. Okay. And it, and when we say it's weeded, that means that the, the second dairy grain, the second largest grain in the mash bill is going to be wheat. And so this is 20% wheat. Okay. And then the last 10% is barley. Okay. That barley is in there because we do natural fermentation at Heaven Hill. We don't mm-hmm. do enzymatic fermentation. Mm-hmm. And barley is a very quick to ferment grain. Right. So, so all of our whiskeys have at least 10% barley in them. Um, that percentage increases with uh, the next mash bill that we'll taste and then gets even a little higher with our rise with Rittenhouse and Pikesville because rye is a more difficult grain to ferment. Right. So we increase the amount of barley. I actually already tasted this one when they came in. I was like, ooh, <laughs> we've got an old Fitzgerald. I'm gonna, and I really liked it. Um, Beautiful. I have a little port for myself. That is so explosive. Is, it is nine years old. So it's been in Toasted American Oak. We use white oak um, for nine years. It's a bottle and bond. So it's 100 proof. For me, I get, um, at least right now, this glass I'm getting, I'm getting a little, I don't know if you are, I'm picking up some toffee notes mm-hmm. in the nose. Mm-hmm. 
and some subtle sweetness. You got to think about wheat as a grain. Wheat has sugar, but it doesn't have the same kind of sugar like corn. It's a little softer, a little nuttier. So I'm yeah. getting some nice toffee notes on this. You're definitely, it's going to be a little drier because of that wheat barley combination, but you've got 70% corn. So there's still some nice butteriness in this, but yeah. I really, I really like this. Um, I, I generally, the more corn, usually the less I like it, but I think mm -hmm. the, the, the mash bill with the 20% and the 10%. Because I, I mean, I don't even, I mean, I taste the corn, but I don't, it's not an overpowering corn, which usually it is. And with this percentage, you would think it would be overpowering. Right. So of the weeded bourbons that are out there, um, this is also the same mash bill that we use to make larceny. Mm. And larceny is 92 proof, unless we just started the barrel proof series this year. Um, but generally 92 proof and is six years old. So mm -hmm. it's, but out of all the weeded bourbon mash bills out there, this particular one has the highest percentage of wheat in it. So it is going to be a little softer, a little drier, not kind of that butter bomb. I think Carrie, that you're, mm -hmm. it sounds like you're a little sensitive to. So, so I'm <laughs> going to tell you that the finish is outstanding. And I mean, quite mm -hmm. literally outstanding as in I'm still feeling it. Yes. It's very long. Yeah. It's very got a nice roundness in the mouth. Mm -hmm. I like the legs on it. Are you, are you playing with your glass again? I am. <laughs> <laughs> I'm looking at the light through the, oh, it's a beautiful color too. I love this. So it's part of our decanter series that we've been doing with Old Fitzgerald for the last two years. And so we've had several different releases. Last year, what, we had a 15-year-old. We've had an 11-year-old. We've had a 13-year-old. But this spring is the nine-year-old. So It is very good. Mm -hmm. It's delicious. I'm going to have to savor this flask for a very long time. <laughs> <laughs> when it's gone, it's gone. It's go right. All right. So next, next up. Yes, next up. All right. So next up, this is the Heaven Hill seven-year-old bottle and bond. We launched this a year ago. Okay. Um, previously, we had made a six-year bottle and bond um, and really wanted to have a little more age on it. So we actually discontinued making that about two years ago. Huh. Got a lot of grief, but we're like, just hold <laughs> Hold on. It sounds a little miffed. <laughs> Hold on, uh, <laughs> because we're going to do something even better with that juice, you know. This got a lovely nose. So this year, Whiskey Advocate, um, in its initial release, uh, came in number four as best whiskey in the world. Wow. So that's pretty good for something that was just out for a couple of months. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm absolutely in love with this, um, and this is a product that we were able to, you know, to bring out, uh, slowly roll out nationally. So this is our signature mash bill, oh. which is 78% corn. It's going to have 12% uh, rye, and then the rest is barley, that 10% barley in there. Again. So even though we've got more corn, we're now introducing some really great spice. Yes. Mm -hmm in that rye and there's a lot more spice than 12 percent rye would yeah suggest that's, I, I, it tastes closer to a rye to me than a bourbon i uh, that's you know what and that is truly the difference of that extra year where i thought the six was great when i tasted this seven um and it was ironic i was actually in atlanta when i was tasting it for the first time the samples came in and i was with a bartending group and so i was tasting it in public for the first time and it's like, boy, I hope it's good. <laughs> <You know? laughs> if it was terrible, you'd be like, uh, sorry. <laughs> you know, I'm an, 
That would have, there would have been some acting going on. Somebody but, put the wrong juice in these bottles. What's going on? Exactly. But we all tasted it together because it's a great group of friends. I'm like, you know, you got to stand behind your work. And I, my, all of us, I was like, wow, um, just amazing notes yeah. of cinnamon and such right off yeah. the get go. And the mouthfeel. Yeah, that's what I was just going to say. The mouthfeel is amazing. You don't often encounter, for me, there's this, there's this, this combination of buttery on the one hand and spicy on the other. It's a very, yeah, yeah it's a very soft coating That's not feeling. something you often encounter. No. It's not. And then you, that barley's in the back. That barley has not been lost. To me, no. I get that barley mm-hmm. on the finish. Really kind of those, those toasted cereal grains are in there. Yeah. I think this is just exceptional. Um Probably up there with the Henry McKenna is my two favorite bourbons in our portfolio. Nice. Yeah, no, I really you love know. And this one's got some really good legs on it as well. That's actually it's Absolutely. Got better legs than the first one, I think. The McKenna and this Heaven Hill single, you know, and last year McKenna won uh, not only double gold at San Francisco World's Barracks, but it won best whiskey in the world, which is only the second time a bourbon had taken that category. Wow. Ironically, the last time a bourbon took that category was, I believe, a 2006 Parker's Heritage that we made. So, because usually best whiskey goes to a scotch or right. a Japanese whiskey and all of this. And so, um, but these are actually, this is, it tells a great story of whiskey because those are actually the same mash bill, but they're two dramatically different whiskeys. Right. And we influence flavor in whiskey by, you know, age, the proof where it comes from. Um, and so while this is a seven-year-old and a hundred proof, McKenna's older. It's a 10-year-old and a hundred proof. So just that extra age in that bottle has helped transform that into a completely different product. But I think it speaks to the integrity of the mash bill and it speaks to the integrity of what the distillers are doing and the blenders are doing and all of that. Yeah, it's beautiful. It's mm-hmm. uh... All right. So the Reverend. Yeah. Elijah Craig. Yeah. 127.2 proof. Wow. That's a lot for the morning. (laughs) (laughs) Let's get real. It's a lot for any time. Wow. I mean, I barely had breakfast. But it's not the highest proof we've done. Wow. Okay. All right. Uh, So this is the barrel proof. Um, We lodge this three times a year. So you'll see on your label, it should say B520. Yeah. Mm Mm-hmm. So every single time in one of our barrel proofs, you're going to look for those numbers. Those numbers and letters are going to tell you when we bottle this. So we do an A series, a B series, and a C series throughout the year. And these are true barrel proofs. So each series is always going to be a different proof. We don't proof it down to like always 125 proof or whatever, because that's not barrel proof. Right. 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 So whatever these combination of barrels come out, that's what they come out. This is 12 years old. Um, The barrel proof is always going to be a 12 year old for us. So this is 12 years old and five. So this was bottled in May and then 20, 2020. So it's great. You can look at those numbers and chase your favorite, you know, expressions of it. Mm -hmm. Um, Two years ago, Whiskey Advocate, the Barrel Proof, which was the B series at that time as well, won Best Whiskey in the World. Wow. So, and again, this is our signature mash bill. So, we saw that in the Heaven Hill. Um, I said it was the same mash bill we used to make Henry McKenna. So, this is at 78% corn, 12% rye, 10% barley. Mm-hmm. Um, and this particular series is 127 proof, 0.2. 
Uh, I think the highest I have seen was one, like one forty six. Yeah. Oh, that was a M-G. as I say. <laughs> that was a that was a spicy meatball. <laughs> yes, so so one that's spicy. Yes, indeed. Well, here you know this hasn't been proofed down, so you are really tasting this whiskey out of Woo! the barrel. Yeah. Well, when I opened it, I stuck my nose in it upon opening it, and I got slapped by leather. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I smell that. There's a lot, a lot of leather on the nose here, and I, I love that. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So if you think about like Elijah Craig small batch, which is our, you know, what you can find every single day. That's the ninety-four proof. That's a blend of eight to twelve-year-old barrels, and you do get some of that leather, some of that chocolate in that one. But this, when you're getting it straight out of the barrel, you're really seeing where that whiskey comes from. Oh, yeah. You know? mm-hmm. There's a lot of, cho- it's on my palate now. There's a lot of chocolate on, yep. on uh, dancing on my tongue right now. Mm-hmm. And that's the barrel. You yeah. know, um, I notice that when whiskey is in barrel longer, um, you start getting those dark chocolate flavors, those mm-hmm. tertiary flavors. Yep. When the whiskey's younger, you get a lot of vanilla. Mm-hmm. Um, but as a whiskey ages in that barrel, because it's, extracting those lignans and they're starting to break down and convert that's when i get like but this one this is like baker's bittersweet chocolate for me yeah oh yeah okay well these are all these are all wonderful bit of a sidebar lynn you have a rather prominent middle initial that in social media i tend to use my middle initial uh which is m as well mine stands for Michael, which was my father's ah. middle name, yours stands for? Mine actually kind of stands for Michael as well. It, Does it? It's Michelle. It's with one L. So okay. it, is the, it is the masculine, the French masculine equivalent of Michael. And my first name, Lynn, is the French masculine equivalent of Leon. So if you were in France, you would actually, the way my name is spelled, you would say Leon Michel. Mm-hmm. So I'm Lynn Michael, and I'm named after my uncles, Leon and Michael. So, and my mom is part French, so. Ah, okay. Well, my name is Dobar. So as you can imagine, we come from a long, long line of Frenchmen. Anyway, cocktails. Cocktails. Yeah. <laughs> we end every interview. We conclude every session with a cocktail discussion. Sometimes it's with someone who's, you know, a professional cocktailian like yourself. So talk to us. My favorite style of cocktails is, is probably a stirred. Okay. Uh, stirred. I've, I love whiskey and I love cognac brandy. Very, very much along the lines. If I see a brandy on the menu or a great rye or, you know, another style of whiskey on the menu, I'm typically going to gravitate towards that cocktail. Mm-hmm. I personally don't like a lot of citrus in my cocktail. But yeah, I like, I'm a very simple whiskey drinker, simple brandy drinker. I like, like a Boulevardier style, Manhattan style, old fashioned style, just kind of three ingredients, balanced, a little hint of bitters. I personally don't like having a lot in my cocktail. Well, these are all very lovely. And are they all already out in the market or they're coming? Oh no, they also spring. So they should all be out available. Everything is out in the market. Um... Yeah, everything is out in the market. You'll see uh, later this year in the Old Fitzgerald, there'll be the sp- the fall release that hits around October. Okay. Um, and then you will see later in the fall, about the same time as well, the C-series in the um, Elijah Craig Barrel Proof. Mm, cool. Okay. 
We'll have to keep a lookout for those. Yes. And I'll keep a lookout for those so I can taste them against these and see what the differences are. It's, you know, it's, it's, I think it's so fantastic to taste because you know, it's the same, you know, same distiller, same mash bill, but location, age, you know, even at the same proof will dramatically create varied whiskeys. Right. Well, these have been delicious. Is there anything you want to tell us or tell the view, the the viewers, the listeners? (laughs) (laughs) Can you tell I work in TV? Yes. (laughs) Is there anything you want to tell the listeners besides what you've already told us to keep a lookout for? Maybe some other brands or other expressions that are having something come up. Um, I would definitely keep an eye out. Um, We just launched this year in Larceny, the Larceny Barrel Proof. Okay. And so we're on the the B series right now and you you call that your grand larceny line, correct? Yes, yes. So look out for that and it's going to be like Elijah Craig. We'll do three different releases a year. Each one will be a slightly different proof depending upon what's coming out of the barrel. And then of course, I just give a shout out to, you know, the Brandy Sacred Bond. It's not a national product. It is in California, so you guys oh, good. can get it there. But it is the only bottle and bond great brandy. And last year at San Francisco World Spirits, it took double gold as well. And it was in the contender for best brandy in the world. That's that's quite an achievement. It comes from California. That's where we make Christian Brothers. Okay. And Bernie and I are just so proud of our baby. So if you see it, you know, particularly whiskey drinkers, it's fun because it has been bourbon barrel aged for four years. Awesome. You know, so. Cool. Well, Lynn, thank you so much for being on the show today. Um, it's been a great education and a great time tasting for sure. I'm going to have to pace myself on these because <laughs> they're so good. Thank you guys so much for thinking of me. I really appreciate it. And um, I look forward to hearing this when you drop it. All right. World of Wheezy is up next. Stay with us. Streaming, sipping, and sensory. Bourbon Women's Sip Summer Series kicks off Women's Equality Week with a three-day digital conference. August 20th through 22nd, 6 to 9.30 p.m. Enjoy a top-shelf collection of spirits education right at your fingertips. This first-ever and distinctively curated online series will keep you sipping with fellow bourbon women this summer. You'll experience unique tastings, mixology, food pairings, and informative and engaging segments with industry experts that include live Q&A, all from the comfort of your own home. Plus, you can take part in our first ever e-auction of -of one-of-a-kind bourbon items and experiences. Tickets and more information available at bourbonwomen.org. Hey, Louise, how you doing this week? Doing well. How you doing, Carrie? Oh, you know, hanging in there. But I did actually take a trip last week, which was nice. I went up to visit my sister in Northern California. So I got to go swimming up at her place. She's got a couple acres. And then I took my niece to this archery tournament up on a ski resort, which was really fun. Sponsored by Team Whiskey, who is uh, one of our sponsors, actually. Oh, uh, that fun. was That was really fun. She was one of the only people with the, uh, what do you call it? I call it the regular bow and arrow. I don't know what you call it, but everybody else had these fancy things with wheels and spinny things to make the arrows go like, you know, a mile. And my niece just had a regular, you know, 
I mean, it was still red and metal and stuff. It wasn't like the Native Americans kind, but but it was really fun. I like that that she showed up with her standard issue bow and arrow and none of the fancy stuff like the other people. I pride myself in, I used to do triathlons back in the day, and I always liked the fact that I kind of had the shittiest bike of anybody. Nice. Because I thought to myself, you know, sure, you can spend a lot of money on, you know, all of the technical gear, but that doesn't necessarily mean you're going to win. Right. <laughs> so. Yeah. It was fun. We had a good time. I, we, we hiked for about five hours. Um, you know, we took the chairlift up and I thought the whole thing was going to be down, but the first half and probably three quarters was up and over and up and then finally down. So I was like, uh, I wasn't really ready for going this much up in the heat. Anyway, so let's talk about Heaven Hill, who was also a sponsor of the uh, of the tournament that we were at. What did you think about the whiskey? They sent us over a few of, of them, but I think you went with the bottle and bond for Heaven Hill. I did. So the Heaven Hill bottled in bond, uh, when I was trying to figure out what I should pair it with, I started thinking, well, what's something that's really traditional in Kentucky? And I immediately thought of Burgoo. And I'm not sure if you know what this is. I have no idea what that is. Oh, okay. Well, Burgoo is traditionally a mixed bag stew, and it can be anything really in there from possum to squirrel to pheasant to any type of game meats. Thickened with potatoes and beans and vegetables. And really, like any stew, it's kind of what you make of it. You know, if you look at some modern recipes, there's bourbon in there. There's, you know, they play around with different vegetables, um, different meats. Uh, So I was thinking that a burgoo would be something really nice to pair with this bourbon. And my modern version of it, I would actually put a combination of venison, lamb, and chicken for the meat um, with some yellow-eyed peas and some fresh corn and some mustard greens, and I would top it off with a mint chimichurri. So I oh, think that sounds that, amazing. Yeah, it's just kind of like a slightly, you know, it's not even updated. I mean, there's really, you know, the only update would probably be the chimichurri added to it would not be traditional, but I think mm-hmm. a little bit of that mint, especially with lamb, is always really good. And our palate is also already, you know, trained to think of mint with bourbon. So right. I think that, you know, this kind of new take on a traditional stew with a glass of that bourbon would be really an excellent pairing. Well, I'm willing to try it for sure. Sounds good to me. All right. I just, I need to get somebody to, to shoot me a deer um, in the fall and and then we'll, we'll be good. Awesome. All right. Well, uh, next week we'll have another one for you to taste and you can find us another amazing thing to pair with it. And I'm looking forward to it. Sounds great. I'll be here. Please visit our website to see our show notes on today's podcast at spiritsofwhiskey.com. That's whiskey with an E. We'll include links and supporting documents from today's Whiskey Chronicles, as well as tasting notes and recommendations from today's World of Wheezy. As always, you can see our upcoming topics and guest roster and links to past shows. Thanks for joining us. Until next time, salon. Salon Spirits of Whiskey is a production of First Real Entertainment and the Center for Culinary Culture, home of the Cocktail Collection, and is available on Anchor, Spotify, and wherever fine podcasts can be heard.